Sunday morning to you. We have a busy, busy show ahead, so hold on to your seat. We're going to get started. Today is Sunday, January 15th of 2023, and of course, uh, it is Martin Luther King uh, weekend, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But today on January 15th, Isaac, we're celebrating National Bagel Day. Oh, I love that. And National Strawberry Ice Cream Day. I like the bagels more, but still. And if you have to go to the bagel shop or the ice cream shop, make sure you wear your hat because it's also National Hat Day. I'm always wearing my bagel and ice cream hat. (laughs) Anyway, what happened on this day in history on January 15th? Well, in 1559, Queen Elizabeth I was coronated in Westminster Abbey. We'll see a repeat of that with... Prince Charles becoming King Charles in just a few months. In 1844, love him or hate him, the University of Notre Dame received its charter from the state of Indiana. Also on this day in 1870, there was a cartoon that Thomas Nast created. It was called A Live Jackass Kissing, Kicking a Dead Lion. Well, what was that all about? That was the cartoon that first used the donkey to symbolize the Democratic Party. Uh, in 18, you know, I wonder if they had a garage with a Corvette in that one. Okay, um, 1892, this happened. Triangle Magazine in Springfield, Massachusetts, published the rules for a brand new game. Now think about this. The rules involved attaching a peach basket to a suspended board. Yeah, we're still playing that game today. It's called basketball. In 1908, on January 15th, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority became America's first Greek letter organization established by African-American women. In 1943, the Pentagon was dedicated as the world's largest office building. And think about this. Um, It covers 34 acres and has 17 miles of corridors. In 1953, Harry Truman became the first president to use radio and TV to give his farewell as he left office. Also on this day, a lot of people remember this in 1967. The very first Super Bowl was played. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs were beaten by who else? The Green Bay Packers. In 1974, this TV show premiered on ABC. Sunday, Monday, happy days. So there's only one way to celebrate this anniversary, <laughs> visit the bronze fawns. Uh, in 1986, President Reagan signed legislation making Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday a national holiday to be celebrated on the third Monday of January. And also on this day in 2001, they launched Wikipedia. Let's take a look at birthdays on January 15th. Uh, Frederick Arthur Stanley was born on this day in 1841. He, of course, gave Canada the Stanley Cup. Industrialist uh, Pierre Dupont was born on this day. Also, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Edward Teller, was born on this day in 1908. And in 1913, Lloyd Bridges, you probably remember him from the airplane movies, and also there's a TV show long, long, long time ago, Seant, that was uh, around. And also, one of the greatest drummers of all time was born on this day in 1909, Gene Cooper. I know this makes Isaac very happy. Being a drummer himself, you'll love hearing that one. All right, uh, as we mentioned before, on this day in 1929, Dr. Martin Luther King was born. Also, uh, actress Andrea Martin was born on this day. She, of course, you might remember her from SCTV. Charo, that little Latin spitfire, was also born. And speaking of spitfires, Pitbull's celebrating a birthday today. I'm a fireball. Well, that'll get you up and around the house on a Sunday morning. Drew Brees is celebrating his 44th birthday today. Actor Mario Van Peebles was born on this day in 1957. The brother of Rob Lowe, Chad, was born in 1968. And also, actress Regina King is celebrating her birthday. And, oh, I gotta say, one of my favorites. It's gone far too soon from Leonard Skinner. Ronnie Van Zant was born on January 15th. Oh, 
weekend, and we're going to share some of the things going on around town to commemorate Dr. King's birthday. We're also going to hear about a possible recession in 2023, and there might be one profession that could benefit from an economic downturn. We're also going to have some consumer tips from Laura Sutherland, including where you can get a free consumer guide. Sandy Max uh, talks with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Matt Miller's here. Yeah, we're going to take a look at that Elvis movie on just a couple days after uh, his daughter was was actually gone far, far, far too soon. We'll also take a look back at the Week in Review. Mark Cass has returned from vacation. He's going to share his experience flying Southwest. Wyatt Barmore Pooley's in the newsroom. Isaac's here pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Dominic Catronio in sports. It is 26 degrees at 814 on WTMJ. Saturday was a tough day on the hardwood for Wisconsin teams. The Bucks had no fun on the beach for the last two games in Miami, falling again to the Heat 111-95. Giannis Dedekumpo was a late scratch with knee soreness in this one. No one on the Bucks had more than 15 points in the loss. Head coach Mike Budenholzer. They just kind of worked the hot hand, whether it was Vince in the first half or Oladipo the second half. And uh, But really, you know, I think our offense is, is more, you know, we gotta we got to be able to score better. So, uh, but certainly credit to Oladipo for uh, what he did in the second half and what Vincent did in the first half. Next, Milwaukee returns home for a Martin Luther King Day afternoon contest with the Pacers. Tip-off is at 1.30. The 18th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers are on a three-game losing streak now, falling to Indiana 63-45. The offensively challenged Badgers shot just 32% from the floor. Next up, back to the Kohl Center on Tuesday against Penn State. And the Milwaukee Panthers saw their win streak end at four in a 78-74 overtime loss to Wright State. Now at 6-2 in conference play, they are still tied atop the Horizon League standings. To the NFL, two playoff games yesterday, and the nightcap was a shocker. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back! From 27 nothing to win the game and move on. How good is that? Frank Frangie on the Jaguars radio network said it best. It's the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. And earlier in the afternoon, the 49ers took control in the second half against the Seahawks. They'll let him throw again. Wide open Debo Samuel. Got a block from George Kittle. Debo Samuel. There he goes. Foot on the gas. Touchdown San Francisco, a 74-yarder. Drew Davis on the call from Fox. The 49ers and Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy are moving on to the divisional round with a 41-23 final. Today you've got three games. Dolphins at Bills on CBS at noon. Giants at Vikings at 3.30 on Fox. Then the Ravens and Bengals at 7.15 on NBC. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Okay, who was out in front of watching the TV yesterday? With the uh, Chiefs and the Seattle saying, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, that would be a lot of us. All right, uh, let's see. Coming up, Mark Cass is back from vacation. He's going to share some of his experiences flying. Was it a good one or was it not? We'll find out. It's all ahead right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, 819, 26 degrees at WTMJ. It's going to be a little bit on the cloudy side today. We'll get a breeze, a high of 39. Then tonight looks mostly cloudy. Some showers coming in. There might even be, believe it or not, some thunderstorms out there. Uh, we'll get down to about 36 degrees Monday. Looks like that rain continues. It'll be cloudy, breezy, and a high of 44. And Tuesday, yep, more rain. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you prefer rain, though, to snow, uh, especially in mid-January? 42 for a high. Wednesday looks mostly cloudy. Uh, we've got 38 for a high. And Thursday, maybe, just maybe, there's a chance of some snow showers with a little wintry mix, mostly cloudy, and a high of 36. Right now, uh, looking at temperatures around southeastern Wisconsin on this Sunday morning in Glendale, we have 26 degrees. Uh, St. Francis is at 27. And in Pewaukee, we have uh, 25 degrees. It's 26 degrees at WTMJ at 8.22. And it's time to check in with Mark Cass. He's the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. 
Well, Mark, I'm looking at that suntan, and here you are, back from Florida. A great week at Disney World, and also some experiences flying on Southwest Airlines. So, <laughs> got to ask you about yeah. that trip. Yeah, of course. You know, it was interesting, because we flew right after all the stuff happened, so we weren't part of that. But you could tell that, you know, it impacted the airline. You could tell that the employees on the way down, everyone was incredibly nice. We were on schedule. We actually landed 20 minutes early. But I did see some luggage still laying around both in Milwaukee and in Orlando, which I thought was interesting. So that still was impacting. You know, the flight was almost full on the way down. It was full on the way back. It's clear they're still flying a lot of people. They're still trying to play catch up with this. But the airlines have had a rough couple of weeks. Think about what happened with Southwest. And now we hear this week it's going to cost them up to $800 million economic impact. Crazy number for an airline to be hit with that. And then you saw what happened earlier this week with the computer issue out of the FAA, which actually grounded flights for quite a while. So this has been a rough couple of weeks. I think travel is going to continue. People are going to want to go on vacation. But you're going to think more about it. I think if you think you can drive and it works for you, I think people are going to do that. If you have to fly, you're going to do it. But, man, you got to be real nervous right now. I know we were when we were watching our flights the whole time to make sure they were on time because seeing our friends and family who have been impacted by this has just been really hard to watch. Well, it wasn't just the airlines. I mean, there was an Amtrak disaster, too, over the last couple of days with people who were stranded on the tracks for, what, a couple of days. Yeah. So basically, do you think that people will continue this winter to go to their warm weather destinations in spite of travel woes? Yeah, I think they will, because I think a lot of us went through 2021 when it was hard to travel. Remember that? We all spent those months in our houses. So I think I could say, based on Florida, man, it was crowded down there. It's crazy in Florida. There's just crazy traffic. So I think they will. I think people will be looking at driving if it's drivable, if it's four hours, if it's six hours, what you can attain, because maybe that's easier for you than to have to worry about just getting caught up in the airline. I mean, it's crazy. Just to see what happened over the holidays is just really hard to watch. Yeah, well, luckily you made it there. You got back safe and sound. Let's talk about some big news that has been going on this week, and one of them involves Harley-Davidson. And what's this about a plan for a community park and an event space on the parking lots near the corporate headquarters. This is interesting because if you remember that we talked about this last fall when the CEO of Harley basically said he prefers virtual work. That's what he's seen work for him and for Harley employees. So really not. A lot of them are back in the office and he's talking about what to do with the corporate headquarters. How should we use that? So one of the things they've come up with already is to take the parking lot. They have a lot of lots over there because they've had hundreds and hundreds of employees who have worked there. And they're going to make it a community park, make it Harley themed, really make it an event space, make it a real asset for the neighborhood. Right now it's just empty parking lots. Who wants to look at that? So this is a way for them to be more involved in the community, more active in the community. It got great response from everyone this week because they see that. I think the larger question, Libby, is if you're getting rid of all your parking lots, who's going to work in the building? And if they are going to work in the building, where are they going to park, right? So I think this kind of opens up the next thing, which we'll hear about over the next few months, is how many employees are going to work in that building or what are they going to use it for? So I think it always will end up to be the corporate headquarters in Milwaukee. I think you'll see a lot fewer employees in there. I think you may see it leased out or you may see some of the space used for other community space. I just think they're looking at it all together as this new era of, okay, we don't have to work in the office, but yet we want this space here. The other thing we've heard from Harley over the last few months is their commitment to Milwaukee. You know, they really want to be in Milwaukee. They want their headquarters here. They have been here a long time. I'm not hearing any kind of lessening of that, but in terms of the number of employees that are working at headquarters, there's no question it's going to be a lot less. Well, you mentioned working remotely, and we've seen some local examples, GE Healthcare and corporations like Disney, where they're now requiring workers to be in the office at least three days a week. Do you think we're going to see more of that trend or more like what you're seeing Harley-Davidson do? I think we're going to see more of that trend. I think the labor market has started to shift. We kind of talked about this a little bit last year. You saw some of the layoffs that happened at the Apples and the Facebooks and the large companies. You're seeing some of that throughout the pandemic and after. The employees have been kind of running the show. There's been such a need for workers that employees have had a lot of choices. Well, as the market changes and tightens, I think you're going to see that change. I think employers would prefer the workers in the office. Now, I'm not talking about every day of every week. I'm talking about probably three days or four days. You're still going to to see workers in the office. I think employers have learned that that working together, that collaboration happens in the office. It's harder to do virtually. I actually made this comment earlier this week to someone. I said, think about it. In 2019, if I would have said to you, Libby, you could work at home every Friday. Whoever said that to you would be a star company. Everybody would have loved them. Now it's kind of expected, right? Everybody just mm. expects to be able to work from home. I think there will always be flexibility. Employers have learned the importance of flexibility. I just think over 2023, you're going to see more employees in the office 
three days a week, maybe four days a week. All right, let's talk about development around the city. Now, financing's all set for that first housing phase yeah. in the Iron District. When do you think that construction's going to begin? And tell us a little bit about that soccer stadium and the music venue that are all going to be in that area. Yeah, I mean, this is big news for the city. I think it's kind of got lost and everything that was going on, but the housing part of that's going to start real soon here, then probably be completed in early 24. Then you're going to have the soccer stadium, which they're looking at hopefully sometime in 23 or 24, and then the music venue. I mean, this is a large thing that's going to happen right in the heart of the city in an area that's seen so much growth. You know, you and I have talked so much about Wisconsin Avenue, what's going on with the Avenue, with the MSO project, with the Convention Center, with Milwaukee Tool, with Pfizer, with Coles. And now you have the Iron District on 6th of Michigan. And what that's going to mean to there, an area that, I mean, let's be honest, has not been very attractive. So I think a lot of people are watching this. And the impact's going to be phenomenal because I talk often about energy and activity, right? Well, now all of a sudden you're going to have so much energy and activity all the way from the river, west through 6th Street, and then onto the Marquette campus. That's all going to be completed. And what a nice little area that's going to be. Speaking of development, there's also an 11-story hotel proposed on the east side. Where is this going to be located, and what do you think that means to the city? This is an interesting project because for those of us who live near the east side, you know, the area where Brady and Farwell meet, a lot of traffic, a lot of activity, so it's going to go right there on the corner. Think about that Walgreens that is there, just right across the street from there, and 11-story hotel, the only hotel on the east side. I haven't really thought about this, but there are no hotels on the east side. Kind of interesting. That area, a lot of activity, an area that's, you know, I would say has had a lot of companies there, but an area that needs some of this redevelopment and investment. So what you're going to see there is a hotel with a restaurant to bring people in and to allow some other things to happen around it, because, I mean, when you bring a hotel in, you're probably going to see a restaurant. You can probably see other things happen right around it that I think are great for that area. It's also really important because you've seen all those residential. Remember, you and I have talked about all the towers, right? All these apartments that are being built. Well, this just kind of continues that theme on the east side of Milwaukee. Well, Mark, it's a lot to watch for, and we're glad to have you back in town. Always feels better when Mark Cass is here in Milwaukee. So thanks so much for joining us I'm watching us you. Morning. I'm just walking around downtown really looking <laughs> for you, Libby. You know that. I'm always in the Third Street food hall looking for Libby. That's what I do. <laughs> You know what? And it's great to have all of our fans who have stopped by the Third Street Market Hall and said hi to our new studios. It, I'm, it the is one, just I'm the one always so knocking on the fun. window. That's me. Well, you're the one that has your face <laughs> pressed up against the glass, I think. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, Mark, always good uh, to have you here. Always good to be here. You have a great week. Yeah, get the uh, Windex out, Isaac. I think we need to get those fingerprints off the glass. All right, it is coming up to 829 <laughs> WTMJ. We have 26 degrees. And welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on this half hour, Matt Miller is going to be joining us with uh, some entertainment news. Although this week, let's take a look back because it was not a that was not a happy one for Packers fans because the green and gold bowed out, taking it to the streets of Old Milwaukee. That is, and flights grounded across America. There's much more. It's all in the week of review. Brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Biggest thing to remember is the Lions retake the lead. We're dead. Obviously, coming off a very disappointing season where I don't think anybody expected this. Got to see how I'm feeling first uh, once the emotions out of it and then have the right conversations and see what the best direction is. Big Cat's night. He just won a championship tonight. Yeah. It's Big Cat's championship parade tonight. Harry's accusations in the ITV interview are widely seen here as an act of airing royal dirty laundry in public. That would be the accusation from the people that don't understand or don't want to believe that my family have been briefing the press. Domestic violence turns deadly in Milwaukee's Walker's Point neighborhood. This happened Sunday. A woman shot and killed near 3rd and Mineral. A 22-year-old is in custody. Thousands of people living in California are being told to shelter in place as a huge storm batters the coastline. A massive fire at a trash yard in Whitewater brings crews from more than 50 miles to battle the blaze. Fans of the streets of Old Milwaukee were concerned that the exhibit would disappear when the new location is built. Well, the museum says today there will be no exhibit in named streets of old milwaukee but the museum says there will be a highly immersive walkthrough of the city what about the streets of old milwaukee no. what about the snake button what about granny oh, he flipped his lips 
Hundreds of supporters of Brazil's far-right former president, Jair Bolsonaro, stormed Brazil's Congress, Supreme Court, and presidential palace in the capital, Brasilia. Release the Kraken! It is the most contagious virus that we have ever dealt with, more contagious than chicken pox or the measles. Milwaukee Common Council approving on Tuesday the construction of a new youth prison set to replace Lincoln Hills. Mitch, we're following some breaking news regarding air flights. A stop has been ordered for all flights across the country due to an FAA computer outage. It could be as simple as a light bulb uh, being out at a certain intersection, or it could be as major as the airport just did a temporary shutdown. So you better have an alternative plan in mind. I'm plugging it, plug it back in. Three days after hitting the picket line, over 7,000 nurses at two large New York City hospitals are back to work. Some speaker Robin Voss. Well, let's put it this way. I think we are not in the deep freeze, but I, but I wouldn't say it's fully thawed. <laughs> Um, That's a good way of putting it. We're hearing more testimony today in the Mark Jensen murder trial. His response was, she's asleep, she's going to be asleep for a long time, and he laughed. I take classified documents and classified materials seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. Luke Fickle! Hey, Coach, we hear that uh, you were on the line with a recruit's mom as you were getting ready to come on. Is that true? Yeah, I don't know if I've told you guys up. She was a little bit more important than... Uh, <laughs> we agree. First swag guys, These are the hidden videos of the demon. I even enjoy milk around the water cooler. Thank you, friend. Love you. And the Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. It's 840, and coming up in just a couple of minutes, we've got a way for you to get some consumer information, and it's all free. Just ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, I know we had a sunny day yesterday. A few places still sunny, but it's going to get cloudier, and that's what the week's looking like because those clouds are increasing throughout the day with a high of 39. Cloudy tonight, more showers in, in the forecast with a low of 36, and those showers are going to continue tomorrow with a high of 44. Tuesday, yep. Rain in the morning, uh, cloudy skies, 42. More clouds on Wednesday and a high of 38. And then it looks like Thursday we've got a chance of some snow showers and a wintry mix with a high of 36. Sun shining in Racine right now. It's 30 degrees there. Same thing with Port Washington, 30 and sunny. Uh, Oak Creek, though, you're looking like it's got some clouds, 28 degrees and 28 at WTMJ at 844. We're here with Laura Sutherland from DATCAP. And, Laura, you know, I can't thank you enough how every month you share great consumer tips with us. And, once again, you're doing the consumer guide, and everybody can get a copy. Tell us how. Yeah, so DATCAP has published this brand-new consumer guide, and it's free to the public. You can access it online, or you can get a physical booklet if you just like to have it on your person. You can just contact our hotline at one 800 422 7128 to get one, or you can email us at dadcaphotline at wisconsin.gov, and we can send you a printed copy. The Consumer Guide is a trusted source of information on consumer issues and scams that Wisconsin residents face every day. You can learn about schemes like imposter scams, identity theft, international lottery fraud, the storm chaser scams phishing, work at home, and landlord-tenant tips, all kinds of information can be found in that guide. It'll tell you how to file a complaint with the department and how to protect your personal and private information and register for the Do Not Call list. So we really encourage folks to grab this booklet. Again, you can call our 800 number at 1-800-422-7128, or you can visit our website at DATCP. .wi.gov, where you can find the consumer guide on our website. Laura Sutherland, always great to hear from you. Thanks for having me, Libby. It's 845. You're just a minute away from Dominic Catronio and Sports right here on WTMJ. Between the Bucks, the Badgers, and the Panthers, Saturday was not fun for basketball in the state of Wisconsin. We start with the Bucks, their second straight game against the Heat, also their second straight game without Giannis Adetokounmpo. He was scratched due to knee soreness shortly before the game, and they sorely missed him. The Bucks fall 111 to 95. No one on the team had more than 15 points. Next up, it's an earlier contest for Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Tip-off is at 1:30 against the Pacers. Number 18 Wisconsin is reeling right now. They're on a three-game losing streak and falling to Indiana 63 to 45. They still did not have Tyler Wall available at Assembly Hall. The offensively challenged Badgers 
only shot 32% from the floor. Next up, they return home to the Kohl Center on Tuesday to face Penn State. And finally, the Milwaukee Panthers still in first place in the Horizon League, but falling in overtime at home to Wright State, 78-74. to Head coach Bart Lundy about maybe a letdown? We were not us. Uh, we were not, you know, we didn't share the ball and, and do the things that we had been doing. Uh, it got better as, as the game went on, but uh, yeah, I don't know if it's let down. I don't know if we just, you know, starting to feel ourselves a little bit. But uh, Wright State's a really good team, and if you don't bring it, you're in trouble. In the NFL, two playoff games yesterday. At first, it looked like the Seahawks and 49ers was going to be a good one. Seattle held the lead at halftime. Then it was all Niners in the second half. They'll let him throw again. Wide open, Debo Samuel. Got a block from George Kittle. Debo Samuel, there he goes, foot on the gas, all the way, touchdown San Francisco, a 74-yarder. Joe Davis on the call from Fox, the Niners win 41-23, to and the nightcap was a thriller between the Jaguars and the Chargers, if you turned it off at halftime, I don't blame you, it was 27-0, and then, Cook puts it down, Patterson's kick is up, the field goal is good, good, Good! The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! Frank Frangie on the call from the Jaguars radio network. Being down 27-0 is the third largest playoff comeback in NFL history. 31-30 the final. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Always an exciting weekend when it's the wild card playoffs. Uh, Unfortunately, the Packers aren't there. Uh, 849-29 degrees at WTMJ. Well, it's time to check in uh, with film critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com, Matt Miller. Of course, there he is. It's Elvis, Matt, and uh, very sad news this week when we learned that Lisa Marie Presley, only 54 years old, passed away, which I don't know about you, but I think it's probably going to spark more interest in that Elvis movie. Yeah, the the timing of it is so unfortunate that, I mean, not that it wouldn't be unfortunate in any other circumstance, but, you know, the Elvis legacy is getting this little resurgence, this little peak of interest again. And then this, this, cat, this sudden death happens, and it really does remind you how short history is and how, you know, she's that young, which, you know, Elvis died not that long ago then, too. It just makes everything that's happened in the past feels so much closer. Um, yeah, it's it's very tragic. And I, I do wonder if this will spark even more interest again into that movie, which already was a hit this year, which already was probably going to get nominated for lots of awards next week when the Oscar nominations come out. Um, but I wonder if now it even has a little bit more significance. It's not seen as, you know, just a another frivolous biopic that, you know, there, there's real legacy uh, kind of in the conversation around it now. Well, you know, it was interesting because I watched it originally and I liked it, but I was, you know, uh, it, it, Baz Luhrmann is is a different kind of director, so you kind of have to be <laughs> into that. And then last night, I, I happened to catch it. I don't know if it were on HBO or one of the channels. And I had to go to bed, so I didn't get to watch all of it. But I liked it better watching it the second time. And I don't know, maybe it's because of all the news we've been hearing this week uh, that it was just more interesting to me, and it seemed like a better movie than when I first saw it. I I agree. I had a similar situation where the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, Boz, calm down. Like, step step off the editor's button a little bit. Um, But then it kind of sticks with you really well, and I think... For as much Bob Lerman as, as there is in that movie, I, I always tell, tell people that it feels like you're watching, uh, every scene feels like a trailer. <laughs> every scene mm. feels like uh, it, it's been hyper-cut to like, get your attention. But I think once you get used to that, you almost appreciate that this movie's going for something, that this movie is trying, because I, I don't think the script is very impressive. I think the script is very basic biopic, you know, kind of note-for-note moments. And I think what makes the movie interesting is Boz kind of going for it and trying to make Elvis, the movie, feel as exciting and invigorating and sexy and and exciting as as what watching Elvis originally perform must have felt like. 
Because I well, think that watching, was yeah, but, yeah. Uh, watching Go Austin ahead. Butler, uh, I think he's he does an amazing job performing mm-hmm. as Elvis, don't you? Yeah, and I think that the big question going into this movie was, for, for people of my generation and younger, Elvis feels old. Elvis doesn't oh, feel exciting. Ouch. And then when you, when you watch that movie, the challenge of the movie is, how do you make Elvis feel exciting for people who it's been 70 years since the evolution of that kind of moment? And obviously cultures change a lot. How do you make it feel exciting again? And you watch them. You watch Austin Butler perform. You watch the ecstatic way that film is put together, and you get it. You feel the excitement of like, wow, this must have been what it's like to watch a lightning strike. And I think it does that really impressive in a way that I think it's a better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. I think it's a better movie than a lot of biopics that have gotten Oscar attention. Um, do I think it should win Best Picture this year? No, I think there are better, more original, more interesting movies. But I, I think it's warmed up to people, and I, I think you'll hear its name a lot come Tuesday next week. Yeah, well, and the, the you know those votes are already in prior to Lisa Marie's death. The I think they're voting be, now, actually. Oh, are are voting, they really? I believe oh, the Academy really? voting for nominations is going on as we speak, oh. or at least it's around this time for sure. Um, but I think they just started voting possibly this weekend. So, huh. um, yeah, I, I can hear. Let me, I will try to double check that while we keep talking. Yeah, because I was yeah, going to say, sure. anytime there's an emotional thing, there, there's always, I guess you could call it sympathy votes um, that could push that a little bit more forward than a lot of other movies that we've discussed in the last several months. Well, and the fact that we're talking about it, I mean, I, I always say the Golden Globes don't mean anything. No one who votes for the Golden Globes votes for any other uh, vo- votes for any other Oscar category or anything like that. It's a completely arbitrary group of people. But when you win awards, you are at the front of the conversation, which means people are talking about your movie. The Fablemans winning and Banshees of Inisherin winning the other night at the Golden Globes doesn't mean a precursor, but we are talking about the Fablemans and the Banshees of Inisherin, which is a good place to be in, as opposed to, you know, a movie like Glass Onion that blanked and didn't win anything, and therefore no one's really talking about that movie, so it's not at the forefront of people's voting minds. Is there any movie that you think is going to come out in the nominations this week for the Academy Award that we haven't heard a lot about, that'll just kind um, of come up from behind? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to double back on this. Voting opened for the Oscars on just January 12th, and voting will continue through the 17th. So they are voting as we speak right now. So the vote started the day that Lisa Marie died. Very interesting. Yeah, so again, it it means, you know, you wish that it was for better, you know, happier reasons, but people will have Elvis at front of mind. Uh, I think you've been hearing a lot about The Whale, uh, I think everyone knew Brendan Fraser is going to get nominated for that movie, but uh, for Best Actor, and there was some talk of maybe Hong Chow getting in for Best Supporting Actress, but there seems to be a lot of interest in that movie getting a Best Picture nomination as well. And there's room, there's 10 nominees this year, so there's room at the bottom of that list for something smaller like that, more performance-driven, to sneak into the top 10. And another one that people haven't really been talking about at all is uh, Netflix released an all quiet on the Western front uh, adaptation that came out around November, kind of got buried as many Netflix movies do, but it's been showing up on a lot of technical Mm. shortlists for, you know, cinematography, production design, sound, all that stuff. And there's a lot of love building up for that movie. It could surprisingly in a year where you had glass onion and the year where you had a new movie from the guy who directed Birdman and the Revenant, that All Quiet on the Western Front could be the Netflix movie that gets into the top ten Best Picture nominees. That's interesting, because I haven't even... I mean, obviously, I know the story, and I've heard of other other uh, movies of that book made, but I didn't know there was a new, a new one that was out there. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about Netflix. You know, they had their priorities. They wanted people to see Glass Onion, and, and, but this All Quiet on the and, Western and, and Front... And they wanted update, them to see Harry and Meghan. <laughs> that is true hey, too. Though. I, 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 got, I got to ask you, just because it's out there and you are pop culture, what do you think all of these endless Her- Prince Harry interviews 
Is it getting sympathy for him, or do you think people are enough already? Stop. I think the, the, the Netflix documentary series was just fine, and now I think people have reached the point that they're like, oh, okay, you can, we, we've heard enough. We've, we've, <laughs> maybe leaving the royalty because you don't like the press, that kind of stuff, and then doing every press coverage for every morning show, it, it's not the best image, but I know he's got a book to sell, so maybe by the end of this he'll disappear again for a little bit and we can stop talking about royals for well- a month. If this is how he whined and complained with his family all these years, they're probably glad he left. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's not the best, it's not the most relatable moment right now to be like, <laughs> oh, wow, you, you sure are telling us everything you've ever gone through right now. I don't think I needed this much airy. <laughs> uh, yeah, TMI. Hey, listen, uh, Matt Miller from On Milwaukee. It's always great to hear from you. Can't wait to hear your take on all of those Oscar nominations. And, of course, you can check out all of Matt's uh, columns at onmilwaukee.com. It's 9 o'clock on WTMJ. And I'm Libby Collins. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Sunday morning edition of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. A little bit later on this hour... We touched with Matt about uh, Elvis and, of course, Lisa Marie dying young. There's a reason, according to one person, as to why the Presley family has had so many deaths at a young age. We'll share that story with you around 940 this morning. Right now, though, I'm going to ask Wyatt to stay here with us. Um, because, Wyatt, this is a very important weekend. Uh, it's the weekend that we commemorate the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King, tomorrow, of course, being a national holiday. And there are a number of uh, events going on around the area tomorrow. And c- could you share some of them with us? Because I know a lot of people are interested in attending yeah we have a list of these events up on our website wtmj.com so if folks want to uh get some more information that's where to go i mentioned that the bucks play tomorrow but if you go to fiser forum you're not just gonna see the bucks play the pacers Dozens of Milwaukee area nonprofits are going to set up outside Section 228 inside Pfizer Forum. So there's going to be different organizations there in uh, honor of the day. That's one of the things you can do. And also, the uh, there's going to be a the 39th annual Dr. King birthday celebration. It's uh, working towards a world of peace is the theme of the event. It's going to be at the Marcus Performing Arts Center at 4 p.m. And, of course, I think it's a day that a lot of people should think about service, especially if they, they don't have to go to work tomorrow. You're, you're younger than I am. And uh, tell me, Wyatt, when you, were, when you were growing up, when you were attending school, what was the significance that you learned about Dr. King? I remember the first time I learned about Dr. King was in kindergarten. We had a book uh, like a children's uh, picture book that told his life story, as you could tell, to a very young child. So I learned about uh, his life and his mission very early on and have continued to deepen my knowledge as I grew up and continued learning. So it it it's more than just a Monday off, although uh, I will be at the radio station uh, at my job rather than at any of these events. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember uh, Dr. King and, and some of his great speeches, but also I do remember that tragic day when he was assassinated in 1968 and how the world stood still for just a short time because of that terrible tragedy. But uh, again, as you said, tomorrow is a day that we commemorate him, that a lot of people will dedicate to public service. And one more time, if you want to see all of those events, where do we go, Wyatt? There is an article on our website uh, detailing all the events scheduled for Dr. King Day that is uh, available on WTMJ.com and the WTMJ mobile app. There's links to more information about each of the events. So if you want a resource for getting started with ways to commemorate Dr. King tomorrow, that is where you should go. All right. Thanks so much, Wyatt. Wyatt Bumbar Pooley will be back with us at 9.30 this morning. It is 9.11 right now at WTMJ. 
Saturday was a tough day on the hardwood for Wisconsin teams. The Bucks had no fun on the beach for the last two games in Miami, falling again to the Heat 111-95. to Giannis Dedekupo was a late scratch with knee soreness in this one. No one on the Bucks had more than 15 points in the loss. Head coach Mike Budenholzer. They just kind of worked the hot hand, whether it was Vince in the first half or Oladipo the second half. and uh, But really... You know, I think our offense is, is more, you know, we gotta, we got to be able to score better. So, uh, but certainly credit to Oladipo for uh, what he did in the second half and what Vincent did in the first half. Next, Milwaukee returns home for a Martin Luther King Day afternoon contest with the Pacers. Tip-off is at 1.30. The 18th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers are on a three-game losing streak now, falling to Indiana 63-45. to The offensively challenged Badgers shot just 32% from the floor. Next up, back to the Kohl's Center on Tuesday against Penn State. And the Milwaukee Panthers saw their win streak end at four in a 78-74 overtime loss to Wright State. Now at 6-2 and two in conference play, they are still tied atop the Horizon League standings. To the NFL, two playoff games yesterday, and the nightcap was a shocker. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on! How good is that? Frank Frangi on the Jaguars radio network said it best. It's the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. And earlier in the afternoon, the 49ers took control in the second half against the Seahawks. They'll let him throw again. Wide open Debo Samuel. Got a block from George Kittle. Debo Samuel. There he goes. Foot on the gas. All the way. Touchdown San Francisco. A 74-yarder. Drew Davis on the call from Fox. The 49ers and Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy are moving on to the divisional round with a 41-23 final. Today you've got three games. Dolphins at Bills on CBS at noon. Giants at Vikings at 3.30 on Fox. Then the Ravens and Bengals at 7.15 on NBC. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Boy, that guy uh, with the Jaguars network, he, it sounded like he was going to lose his voice. I mean, he was, he was really excited. Well, we've got uh, some texts coming in. People want us to repeat that phone number on how to get that free consumer guide. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a chance to get that piece of paper and that pencil, and I'll give you the phone number in just a couple minutes. Uh, right now, we have 30 degrees. It's 917 on WTMJ. It's Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's a Sunday morning edition. Well, if you were listening uh, last half hour, Laura Sutherland from DATCAP gave a phone number on where you can call to get that free consumer guide. And I'm going to give you that number again because it did go past a little quickly. If you want it, you can call 800 422 That's 800 422 7128, or you can go to the website, datcap, D-A-T-C-P dot Wisconsin dot gov. That's D-A-T-C-P dot W-I dot gov. So, again, that's completely free, and they're happy to send that out to you. Now, today we've got some clouds coming in, unlike yesterday where we enjoyed some sunshine. We'll get up to about 39 degrees, and tonight cloudy with a chance of showers down to 36. Rain showers tomorrow, too. Cloudy and breezy and a high of 44. On Tuesday, looks like we've got some rain in the morning. More clouds, 42. All clouds on Wednesday with a high of 38, and then Thursday looks like that's the day we get that chance of some snow showers with a wintry mix, mostly cloudy, around 36 degrees for a high temperature. Currently in Pleasant Prairie, it's 31 degrees. Oconomowoc has 28. In uh, Cedarburg, it's 28. We have 30 degrees at WTMJ at 921. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. I'm Sandy Bax on the Sunday sip. Happy to welcome Faisha Lindell. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Sandy. And what is your role at the Greater Milwaukee Foundation? I am the Director of Development and Major Gifts at the Foundation. So in a nutshell, I work with donors and prospective donors to connect them to their interest out in our community. 
And the Greater Milwaukee Foundation is known for supporting the community in so many ways. Can you tell us a little about the foundation's mission and the history? Absolutely. The Greater Milwaukee Foundation is one of the oldest and the largest community foundations in the country. And the foundation was established to help donors um, connect themselves to their philanthropic interest areas. We help donors get connected to the community. We convene organizations, prospective donors, individuals. We bring everyone to the table to help change our region and really, really move impact in our community. And I feel like if people are going to get involved, they do want to support their passion, mm -hmm. something that they really believe in. So it's wonderful that you can connect people so that they really do feel like they're making a difference, not just kind of donating in the air, you know? Absolutely. We've had over a billion dollars in grants go out in the community in our history. So our donors are really, really passionate about seeing Milwaukee grow. Now, the foundation often talks about the phrase reimagining philanthropy. What does that involve and how does it impact your work in the community? Absolutely. So reimagining philanthropy is a part of our vision of building a Milwaukee for all. And reimagining philanthropy means thinking about philanthropy differently. It is really important what we do, but it is equally important how we do things. Who is at the table? What is the impact? Who is guiding and leading decision making? And what does impact really look like over time? And when we think about reimagining that, that decision making table, it has to look like the community that is being served and making sure that black and brown um, communities see themselves in the philanthropy space as not just recipients, but also as donors in the space and have a real decision making chance. Um, so celebrating the generosity of time, talent, treasure, and ties across all communities and uplifting that and bringing people closer to the foundation is really bringing people closer to the region. The four T's. Yeah. Time, mm -hmm. talent, treasure, and ties. Very good. And how can people get involved with the foundation if they are interested in what you're doing now that they hear about this special approach? Absolutely. One of the tools in the foundation's toolbox is our Greater Together campaign. It is a comprehensive fundraising campaign where individuals can really help to achieve a Milwaukee for all, that generational commitment of moving our region forward. It is a $700 million campaign focused on the community outcomes of health equity, educational opportunity, economic opportunity, and housing security. And we're going to help achieve that by focusing on some funding priorities like the Thrive On Collaboration, early, early Childhood Care and Education, Impact Investing, Flexible Funds, and Housing. So we hope that donors will join us in moving Milwaukee forward and joining in in the campaign because we believe that this tangible tool is one of the ways that we can really achieve that by bringing light to these priority areas. And there's so many ways, mm -hmm. yep. so many different areas to make progress and get involved. Yep, It's comprehensive in a sense that there is something for everyone. And we really believe that there's a connection point, whether it's education and you connecting to early childhood education, whether it's health equity and you supporting our Thrive On collaboration, there's something for everyone. And so, yeah, I'm interested in more about the Thrive On collaboration. Can you tell us more about what it specifically is and why it really matters to this community. Absolutely. The Thrive On Collaboration is one of the most exciting things that the foundation is working on. It is a community-based investment. Um, it is made up of the partners of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, the Medical College of Wisconsin, and Royal Capital. And it is really the foundation going into an area with place-based um, program-based and neighborhood-based investments and investing in Thrive on King as a building, um, which is our new, it's going to be the Greater Milwaukee Foundation's new headquarters, as, as well as the medical college bringing their community-facing programming. Um, we're going to be investing in our office spaces, going into the community that we serve. We are investing in program on that first floor where community residents are driving what that first floor is because it's community facing. So there's going to be everything from, you know, increasing healthy food access to a high quality EC early childhood care and education center. And then a neighborhood investment. We're not only investing in the building itself and the programming, but we're also investing 
working in the neighborhood. So we're seeing, seeing arts and culture really thrive in the neighborhood, but we're also seeing, you know, businesses come into the neighborhood. We're seeing a high quality uh, high school come into the neighborhood, and we're really excited to be a part of it. I'm speaking with Faisha Lynn Bell of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. We can all hear the excitement in your voice. You're in the right role. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll make sure to tell everybody that. <laughs> Any final thoughts as we get into 2023, maybe about some other projects the Greater, Mil- the Greater Milwaukee Foundation is doing or that you're specifically excited about? I would just say that philanthropy is for everyone, and we invite everyone at the foundation um, to see themselves in this work, and we hope that you will join us in building a Milwaukee for all. Thank you very much, Faisha. And for more on this, again, what is the website for people to go to to get involved to make Milwaukee even better? GreaterMilwaukeeFoundation.org backslash campaign. Thank you, Faisha Lindbell of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. We look forward to hearing more good news from GMF in 2023. I'm Sandy Max with the Sunday Sip. It's 928, 30 degrees at WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of the Sunday morning edition of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. Still ahead, why did Lisa Marie Presley die young? We might have some insight on that. It'll be about seven minutes. But right now, some analysts are predicting an economic slowdown in 2023. But could a recession be good for some businesses? Joining us is Ken Englund. He's with EY, formerly known as Ernst Young. And Ken, what's your analysis showing? Yeah, Libby, as I talk about sort of where tech is, I think it's also to put in a little bit of context. So we conducted a survey of 250 tech executives to really get their sentiment on the economy and sort of what they're doing about it, really critical items. And I think the important point about tech for your listeners is it's been really kind of a growth-at-all-cost mindset for the last five to ten years, just grow, 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 add people, take on new markets, not always about profitable growth. So sort of with this variability and some headwinds in the market, and these leaders we surveyed, three-quarters of them sent symptoms of a recession, right? So they're starting to feel some of these things. But it really is going to give them an opportunity to kind of reset their business, look at what they do well, and be fit for purpose. So when we say they see some silver linings, those are the things we're talking about. Well, we hear that there are a lot of layoffs in the tech industry. Is that is that a fact? There's been about 150,000 layoffs this year in about 1,000 companies globally. So it's a very significant number, uh, but it's also important, I think, to remember that these tech companies are hiring. And I, I think a good way to reinforce that is, of our survey, 90% of these executives said, They're going to invest significant money in new talent, retaining high-performing talent, and investing in building new skills. So tech is all about talent, and this is an area they're going to continue to focus on. What do they look for in a potential hire? When you say top talent, how do they define that? So I would say two things around talent, and I also want to make sure that it's very clear. This isn't all just about programmers and software engineers. What I like to say is, Technical people need to develop business skills, and business people need to have some level of technical skills. So this is everybody from people who build product to people who support the implementation of these products and ongoing, and these are people in sales and marketing. So it's really across the board from that perspective. Now, do you believe that the tech industry will surpass other businesses in terms of growth in spite of a recession? I think tech has always been a growth leader, if you think about it, and I've been involved in this industry for a couple of decades. What I think is important is how tech responds to these uncertainties, and I actually think other industries can learn from a little bit. The thing about tech, if you really step back, it's about talent and digital assets. Most of these tech companies don't have big plant property and equipment, so their ability to pivot change, ramp up, scale down, move to two markets is kind of what makes tech unique, right? Their ability to adapt very quickly for uncertainty. Is there a particular geographic area where you see tech growing more than another? I would say we see growth across the board. I look at it a less geographically than by um, subsector. So if you think about tech, what I like to say, tech isn't a monolith, right? There are software companies, there are semiconductor companies, there's hardware companies, there's cybersecurity companies, and each of these vary in their growth. 
I will say the long-term view is that there's continue to be more and more acquisition of software and the amount of cloud computing that all of us personally use and companies use is continuing to increase even with the headwinds. Well, how will the tech industry help other companies get through a potential recession? I think really important thing in sort of these times of uncertainty is tech is in a unique position that they generally use their products first. If you think about it, they are the experiment. They are the laboratory for products and services they deploy to other industries. And in particular, these companies are highly focused on some key emerging technologies like data analytics, machine learning. Everybody's heard about AI. 5G, which is pervasive connectivity. These companies are using all of these emerging technologies to run their businesses better. Those things then turn into products that they provide to other industries. So you could say tech kind of leads this discussion and other industries will benefit from it. Can we learn more about the survey that you conducted? Yes. If your listeners want more information on the survey or just overall tech trends, we have a website. It's ey.com forward slash U.S. forward slash tech survey. And uh, there's a lot of great information out there for them. Ken England, again, from EY America's Technology, Media, and Telecommunications. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much as well. It's 941, 31 degrees at WTMJ. We're going to get up to about 36 today. It's going to be on the cloudy side. Um, Coming up in just a couple minutes, was Lisa Marie Presley destined to die young? There's a book out. We'll tell you about it. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Nine forty-three on WTMJ. You know, I saw an interview with uh, Lisa Marie Presley after she passed away, and she said that was a song that her father always used to sing to her, and she remembered that quite fondly. But a lot of people are wondering. You know, I, fifty-four. I mean, if you're fifty-four or older, that seems pretty young. If you're younger, well, if you're Isaac's age, that seems old probably but for a lot of people dying at 54 is a very young death and uh, some people were very shocked at the death of Lisa Marie uh, Presley and how sudden it was but let's look back at her family and I think you're going to find this very interesting as to why there may be so many deaths of, of people at a young age in the Presley family think back to Elvis Presley who died away from who died from heart failure when he was only 44 years of age. His mother, Gladys, was, I believe, 46 when she also died of heart failure. But let's go back a little bit. According to a book called Destined to Die Young by Sally Hayden, and by the way, this book was written two years ago, two years ago. She said that members of the Presley family have a genetic condition that's been passed through for generations. Now, they know for a fact that Elvis had this because it's in his autopsy. They said he had alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. Now, what that does is it causes uh, uh, poor health. It, It could impact brain function. It comprises bodily functions and damaged organs. Yet Elvis, who complained about abdominal pain, certainly we're hearing now that uh, Lisa Marie that very morning said it. And uh, apparently it was a chronic condition for Elvis's mother. But why? Why do they have that genetic condition? Well, we're going to go back to 1903, when Elvis's maternal grandparents were married. Robert Lee Bob Smith and Octavia Dahl Smith. Yep, they both had the same last name. And they were first cousins. And that would have been Elvis's grandparents on his mother's side. His mother's parents were first cousins. And is that the reason members of the Presley family die young? I I just found it fascinating. It's 946, coming up in a minute. It's... uh, it's going to be Dominic Catronio on sports. It's all ahead right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Between the Bucks, the Badgers, and the Panthers, Saturday was not fun for basketball in the state of Wisconsin. We start with the Bucks, their second straight game against the Heat, also their second straight game without Giannis Dedekumpo. 
He was scratched due to knee soreness shortly before the game, and they sorely missed him. The Bucks fall 111 to 95. No one on the team had more than 15 points. Next up, it's an earlier contest for Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Tip-off is at 1:30 against the Pacers. Number 18 Wisconsin is reeling right now. They're on a three-game losing streak and falling to Indiana 63 to 45. They still did not have Tyler Wall available at Assembly Hall. The offensively challenged Badgers only shot 32% from the floor. Next up, they return home to the Kohl Center on Tuesday to face Penn State. And finally, the Milwaukee Panthers still in first place in the Horizon League, but falling in overtime at home to Wright State, 78-74. to Head coach Bart Lundy about maybe a letdown? We were not us. Uh, we were not, you know, we didn't share the ball and, and do the things that we had been doing. Uh, it got better as, as the game went on, but uh, yeah, I don't know if it's letdown. I don't know if we just, you know, starting to feel ourselves a little bit. But uh, Wright State's a really good team, and if you don't bring it, you're in trouble. In the NFL, two playoff games yesterday. At first, it looked like the Seahawks and 49ers was going to be a good one. Seattle held the lead at halftime. Then it was all Niners in the second half. They'll let him throw again. Wide open, Debo Samuel. Got a block from George Kittle. Debo Samuel. There he goes. Foot on the gas. Touchdown San Francisco, a 74-yarder. Joe Davis on the call from Fox. The Niners win 41-23. to And the nightcap was a thriller between the Jaguars and the Chargers. If you turned it off at halftime, I don't blame you. It was 27-0. And then... Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! Frank Frangie on the call from the Jaguars radio network. Being down 27-0 is the third largest playoff comeback in NFL history. 31-30 the final. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dom. Well, coming up in just a couple minutes, you know, you heard Sandy Max a little while ago on the Sunday Sip. Of course, you're listening to her on Wisconsin Afternoon News. But what about Sandy? What about her background and her family? Well, we're going to have a little preview of her conversation with John McCure. It's all ahead right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. We're going to have increasing clouds today. It's going to be drizzly. We'll get up to 39 degrees in tonight. Cloudy. Chance of showers. Maybe some thunderstorms in the western suburbs. 36 for a low tomorrow. Those rain showers will continue. It's going to be cloudy and breezy and a high of 44. Tuesday looks like we'll have some rain in the morning. It's, it'll continue to be cloudy with 42 for a high. Thursday or Wednesday gets a little cooler, dropping to the 38 for a high temperature under cloudy skies. And then Thursday, that's where we've got a next chance of some snow showers in a mix. 36 degrees for a high. Right now, Sheboygan has 33. Muskego is at 30 degrees. And uh, in Toso, we've got 31. We're at 30 degrees at WTMJ at 9.53. Well, you've heard Sandy Max, the new co-host of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. But did you know her dad was also a broadcaster? John McCure asked her about growing up. I want to ask you about, you shared a clip with me of your dad, and it made my heart happy. Your dad, professional broadcaster in Kentucky, uh, well-accomplished broadcaster. How did that influence you? It was wonderful because radio was always treated like a real job. There are a lot of families that treat their uh, family members who want to get into radio like, okay, you're running away to join the circus. When are you going to get a real job? <laughs> you know. So it was wonderful growing up with my parents, who I talked about before. I had a happy childhood. My parents were just great. Music fans, music lovers. Uh, good to each other, just really fun and really supportive. My parents wanted me to grow up simply to be a good citizen. They encouraged me to try things, to do anything. I started dancing at an early age, but they didn't necessarily want me to become a prima ballerina. They saw the value, similar to how a lot of kids play sports. Yep. I just was in the arts playing piano and doing dance because it can give you poise and confidence and teach you to work with other people and use your brain, your right brain and your left brain creatively and problem solving. And, Both of them, and yeah. yeah, so that was my childhood. And we moved to Louisville because my dad got a job at WHAS AM, which is in Kentucky. That is the WTMJ the of Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. So to have radio in my DNA Thanks to my dad. Uh, it's just wonderful. I know he would be just over the moon. He was a news junkie and would always have one of the 24-hour news channels on and never, ever uh, left that part of his career behind. 
hear the entire WTMJ conversation with the very talented Sandy Max. That'll be at 11 o'clock this morning. But before that, you can hear Brian and David Wickert on the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show. And good morning, Brian. Good morning, David. Got a question for you. Yeah. I keep reading about home prices crashing. Is that really what you're finding? Not Zero. in the least. Uh, yeah, there, you know, every every Sunday morning, my habit is uh, I'm just going to put in housing market news into the Google machine, and uh, two of them that came up today, one from Fox News, U.S. real estate market in quote big trouble. Expert warns, and then dong 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 dong, yeah, right, and then uh, Bloomberg declining rents signal a crash in the housing market. Um, I'm going to tell you a story in the first part of the show um, that I heard from a realtor this week. Uh, Three hundred fifty thousand dollar listing in the city of Waukesha. Um, how many people do you think showed up, uh, David, at the uh, open house? Well, the way that you're framing it, it sounds like it was more than just a handful of people that probably walked through. A dozen? Two dozen? Okay. Libby, do you want to put down your marker, and then we'll reveal the answer during the show? How many people show up to have a fresh listing, single-family home in the city of Waukesha priced at three fifty? Mm, That's an attractive price point. I'm mm-hmm. going to say thirty-seven. Okay, so she's in for thirty-seven. David's in for a couple dozen, you said? Sure. Do- yeah, some dozens. Some dozens. All right. Well, what I was going to say, though, Dad, is that this sounds so much like chicken and egg. It's, you know, are, are the headlines being written because uh, home buyers, you know, are saying that to the headline writers, or are the headline writers writing it and so home buyers believe it? Both? Well, when I clicked on that one saying that the experts say, I mean, they're, they're talking about one guy, you know, from Pulte Capital Investments. And I don't even think he's related to Pulte Homes. But you know they're just they're just trying to attract eyeballs. Yes, basically. it's a good it's a good click, right? It's a good headline. Exactly. So another thing uh, that I think is surprising to folks we're going to share at the top uh, part of the show is uh, we got another favorable reading on inflation this last week. The consumer price index came in showing prices of goods and services in the United States continue to edge lower. And so we had a further improvement in uh, mortgage rates, which is really helpful, especially given how high they got. So we're going to give you an interest rate update. And then we've got a couple of stories uh, from the front lines of mortgage lending. People are out there actually getting accepted offers. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they're just, you know, this is the same old story that we've been telling for most of 2022. There are more buyers, even at this early stage in the market, than there are homes listed for sale. So we've got all that and more coming up right after the news on the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the details. I'm Libby Collins. Up next, Wyatt Palmer-Pooley on the news. And then it's Brian and David Wickard right here on WTMJ.